Hi, this is Caroline. I am super excited by a new feature that I have available for you. If you go to my show notes, you'll see a link that says, I would love to hear from you. Text message me here. Yes, you can now text message me. So if you have any thoughts about an episode, if you've got ideas for an episode, if you'd just like to connect and say hi, then click on that link. I'd love to hear from you. Hi there, I'm Caroline Thor, professional organiser, KonMari consultant, teacher and mum of three. I started off my life as a mum feeling overwhelmed, disorganised and desperately trying to carve out some time for me amongst the nappies, chaos and clutter. One day, one small book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying changed everything and I began to learn strategies for making everyday life easier. Today I have the systems in place that means life can throw almost anything at me and I want to share them with you. If you're an overwhelmed mum struggling to keep it together, then this is the podcast for you. Grab a coffee and settle in for a quick chat with someone who gets your reality. And welcome to the 20th episode of the Living Clutter Free Forever podcast. I'm Caroline and I'm a trained KonMari consultant, professional organiser and teacher. It's hard to believe that I have already produced 20 episodes and with some wonderful guests and many amazing topics. Today's episode is no exception and quite a departure from what I normally talk about. Today I'm talking to Isabel from The Tidy Coach. We met when we both trained as KonMari consultants And Isabel has gone on to grow her organising business, developing into the very specific niche of supporting people with decluttering and organising after the loss of a loved one. I so enjoyed talking with her and she has been generous enough to provide you with a free checklist that you can find on my website on the podcast page next to this episode. So I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation as much as we did recording it. So today I would like to welcome Isabel from The Tidy Coach. Welcome, Isabel. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's been amazing having, well, being here. (laughs) I'm pleased that it worked. I I think I have to tell everyone listening, we nearly didn't manage it today because of my inability to convert times between Germany and the US. So I'm very pleased it's worked out. Thank you so much for putting this together. Yeah, you're welcome. I nearly had you out of bed at seven o'clock in the morning, which would have been an absolute disaster. So I'm glad we've worked this out. Okay, so we know each other from when we both trained as KonMari consultants a couple of years ago now. And our paths have taken very different routes. I've niched down to helping families and specifically people with young kids who are feeling very overwhelmed. And your niche has been very, very different to mine. Would you perhaps like to tell us a a bit of your backstory and and where you've ended up with your consulting journey? So I'm specializing in helping families figure out the belongings of a deceased loved one. Um, So yeah, very different. (laughs) And how I come up with this niche is right when I got certified, my uncle passed away and he left behind no family, no kids. So my brother, who who was the executor of his will, asked me to go to his home and figure out everything. And 
by everything it was absolutely everything he was a collector of antiques musical instruments music in general so it was a very tough process because there was a lot of everything and a whole life of belongings and of cherished items and among my siblings and I we all had stories for so many items that were there and so it was a very long process and one of the things that we decided from the beginning is that we didn't want to fight over things and we wanted to keep our amazing relationship after everything was concluded so I think we managed to do that pretty well Excellent. And that's how I came up with a program to help families to go through this process without being so overwhelming or so painful. Wow, that's quite a hard thing to do, I would imagine. I guess it's hard when you don't know what to do. But once you know, it's yes, it is hard because there are a lot of feelings involved, but at least it is not overwhelming. Okay, so your job then is to hold their hand and help them through the process of removing things from the home that have belonged to their deceased loved one. Does it tend to be families that you work with where the home is now left empty or are you sometimes working with someone who's left and their partner is deceased? A lot of people um, like come to me and their spouse has passed away and they don't necessarily know what to do with uh, certain belongings, especially collections are really hard to deal with because they know what to do with many things. But when it comes to a collection, they know it has value. They just don't know who would pay that value for that item. So it just becomes hard that way to know what to do with collectibles. And are you then able to guide them as to where they can perhaps look for some valuation for them on how they might go about selling them? Or is that not so much your role? I usually recommend to get uh, an appraisal for the whole house, for the whole valuables. Um, there is often surprises about things that they they wouldn't have considered to be so valuable, but they are. Mm -hmm. So having an appraisal usually is very helpful and it's helpful as well for the family because they avoid conflict down the road. If they know I'm taking this painting and this painting is valued for that much and you're taking another painting that is not as valuable, that also helps it helps avoid conflict mm -hmm. and it also helps with uh, like having order in what there is. So usually an appraisal will give you a list of all the belongings and it's easier to know what there is because you already have a list with pictures in it. So you can be somewhere else and you can still have access to what there is. And usually with an appraisal, what you can do is just find someone to sell um, those items Usually they won't give you the amount for what they were appraised, but usually you can neg negotiate around that price. And just having an idea makes you more powerful because you know exactly how much the value for that item is. Yeah, absolutely. Because I guess the danger is, especially if perhaps that's an older person who's left 
to sort things out like a collection when a spouse has passed that they may end up being taken advantage of by someone who's thinking okay I could make some money from this they don't know what it's worth exactly so that is one of the first things that I recommend is getting an appraisal for everything and then once that is done I help families sort things out I usually, before they even see what there is, I usually ask them what they would like to keep. Because if you're like mentally aware of what you want to keep without seeing, that is something that is really valuable for you. So taking the the example of my uncle, for me, I wanted to keep a violin um, made of witchel art. So they put into whatever item, they put beads. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful art I really love it and there was a story behind that violin and that's why I wanted to keep that violin because my uncle had seen the violin in a store and then they sold the violin so we went into a whole crusade trying to find another violin that like that he could purchase and display it in his in his living room so when the time came I was like I want that violin because it was five months of our lives chasing that violin oh that really had some meaning for you then yeah exactly and there are stories like that for most families that I really want to keep this item for whatever the reason is so when you ask those what you want to keep you're going to choose what really matters to you yeah So that is how I started. What do you want to keep? Don't see anything. Just tell me what you want to keep and why. So when negotiations come, it is easier. Like I, nobody else has this story. Nobody else in my family had the story about chasing the violin. Yeah. And everybody understands, yes, you deserve to have it because you have the whole story. And there were other stories like my siblings, all of us, there was a chess set and that for example one of my brothers kept it because it was the chess that he would play with my uncle every time and then his son would play with my uncle and eventually my nephew like he's become really good at chess so there was no way that my uncle could could beat my nephew so Yeah, keep the chess. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. I know when my grandmother passed, she had already earmarked certain items in the house for people and had actually put a little sticky label on the back of paintings and things with people's names on because she'd already asked them what they would like to have while she was still alive. And I thought that was actually really great. And my brother has this beautiful chair that was always set in their living room, but no one was allowed to sit on it. Nobody. (laughs) And it was just, it was like, it was very, very beautiful, but it wasn't a chair you sat on. And uh, he sent me a photo not so long ago and said, look, someone's sitting on it. And his cat now curls up and sits (laughs) on it. So I I think my grandmother would approve of that. So it's it's nice to have these stories, as you say, behind things. It makes it, it makes the things much more meaningful. And I love the fact that you say to them first, what do you want to keep? Because this is the the premise as well behind the KonMari method is that first of all, you're not talking about what you want to get rid of. It's first of all, what do you want to keep? What sparks joy for you? Because then you know what it's okay to, to let go. So it's applying that method in this 
context, which is a sad time, but you're bringing joy out of it by bringing these memories about people out, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. And it's for families, it's really hard. And, and it is the process that just starting the process is really hard. And many families never started because they're afraid of, of being disrespectful to their loved one. And I found that really interesting throughout the practice that it, many people are, no, I'm, I'm just keeping everything as it is. And I don't want to mention this because I don't think it's healthy for anybody to keep those belongings because they're never, never allowed to go through their grief completely. So if you're one of these people, I would highly recommend to, to go through those belongings and in, in a joyful way, because, because it, it can be a beautiful moment just sharing with your family and all of you share stories that nobody else had. And, and I find that amazing and, and beautiful in the, in, in the same regard, because you're sharing memories and experiences with your loved one and it become very rich when everybody's participating. Yeah, absolutely. I can completely see the value in that. I think that's wonderful. So one thing that I always think must be very hard for people to get rid of after someone has passed, but I may be wrong. I've always assumed that that getting rid of clothes must be quite hard because of the fact someone has stood in them and they probably still have a smell about them that people can relate to. What's your experience having worked with people? Is clothes a difficult one or not so much? It is very hard. So usually the Conmarie method is starting with clothes because it's the easiest. Yeah. And that's the easiest for your clothes, but it's not the easiest when you're dealing with your loved one clothes. So yeah, it is really hard. And a lot of people find it, as I said, are very disrespectful throwing away the belongings of their loved one. So I usually tell my clients that it's all right to let it go. And I usually start by asking the family, the family members, if any one of them would be interested in keeping something. So sometimes someone like, okay, I, I want to keep scarves or or jackets or like, like usually the, some items sometimes people choose. Sometimes between the family or among the family members, they ask close friends to come and like one of my clients her husband passed away and he was a financial advisor so one of her sons is also a financial advisor so he invited people in his office that were about his dad size mm -hmm. so they came and they chose uh, suits and ties and whatnot and then what she did with the rest of the ties was pillows with flowers for the girls. And I don't remember what was for the boys, but she made a pillow with with the ties for each one of her her family members. And that is another way to like use the clothes. You can make pillows or blankets or something like bigger with pieces of shirts or ties or whatever that person yeah. was using and I find that that way people feel that they're 
they're actually honoring their loved one because they're getting something that will transcend through the time. I had a client who was having a really hard time parting with her children's baby clothes. And she she just felt so sentimental and emotionally attached to them that she had those sent off and made into a quilt so that she had a quilt of all their baby clothes. So I've I've seen that done at the other end of the life spectrum. Um, and I'd not ever thought about doing it with someone who's passed with their items of clothing. But that's quite an interesting idea. Yeah, there's another business and they make teddy bears with pieces of clothes and items that um, the loved one would use and they put it all in the teddy bear so you keep your teddy bear with memorabilia from your loved one that's that's a good idea too yeah so there there are many ways you can use um things and it's not just the clothes uh, I think there are many items in life that have a value and you can just repurpose them and using use them in different ways. One of my clients, she told me she used to play poker with her husband and she didn't want to play poker with anybody else. She was not going to use the table anymore. And I noticed that in one of her rooms, she didn't have um, a headboard for one of her beds. So I was just like, cut it in half and use it as a headboard. And she was like, that's an amazing idea. That's great. So it's just about having imagination of how you can reuse and repurpose things that you really want to keep and that have a lot of value for you. Yeah. As we've been talking, I've actually just been sort of thinking through the KonMari process. And of course, when we go through the KonMari process with clients in a situation where someone hasn't passed, just a normal family, for example, we're always leaving the sentimental items till the very end because they're so difficult to deal with. And then you've gone through the rest of the categories and honed your skills about what sparks joy and what you want to keep. And then at the end, you get out all your sentimental items that you've gathered together and you are able to say, okay, yes, this really sparks joy for me. I need to keep this. Of course, in in the um, situation that you're working in, all the items are sentimental because the person's no longer there. So it's sort of almost doing the whole thing in reverse in a way, isn't it? Not really. Um, There are things that are more sentimental than others, especially when dealing with a full house of things. There are things that, that are sentimental in a way and others that are not. Usually papers are, like I usually recommend clients starting with paper. Okay. Because anyways, you have to start by it because they ask you for a birth certificate or uh, policies. And so you need to go through a bunch of paper just in the immediate process of like someone passing. You have to find documents and whatnot. So while you're already doing that, why don't finish the rest of the paper? Yeah. And and there are parts of the house, like, for example, in the KonMari method, you you leave the kitchen at the end because it's a lot. So the kitchen usually is not that personal because, yes, it is personal, but not as much as other parts of the house. So I recommend starting with what is easy for, for them to start. And it's about creating habits in that moment that will guide them. Because I don't know if you've noticed, 
People actually take action when they are highly motivated to do something. So for example, if you're working with the families with the small kids, they're highly motivated to keep things in order so they don't have to be cleaning and picking up toys all day long. So that is a very high motivator. So they're prone to do hard things when they're uh, when when people is uh, highly motivated. We do difficult things. But when someone passes away, motivation is really low, so it is very hard for people to do something. So it's just creating a habit of tidying and going through stuff little by little. Mm-hmm. And I learned this the hard way with one of my clients. Um, we started with paper and he got really overwhelmed by the whole thing of it. And he was really disappointed because his wife would be responsible of organizing the whole home. And and when she was gone, it was really hard for him to keep order. So it's just a matter of creating a habit to keep things organized. Yeah. Or to go through things. And that's the best way to do it. Just creating a habit. And then the habit will be gone once you finish going through the belongings. But that's something I like working with my clients. Creating a habit. And so you can rely on that habit. And actually, like if you cheer yourself after everything you do. And I would recommend this for you, like for your clients. If they're having a really bad day just go to the messiest part of the home and every time they fold a t-shirt or they put away a toy just to cheer themselves like yes I did it so that will keep their motivation up yeah and that's what I like how I work with my clients just keep cheering yourself when you you're doing something and make it a habit that's great advice yeah I can just imagine people across the world Every time they fold a t-shirt doing a happy dance, that would be great. (laughs) And do you find that clients tend to ask you to help them decide what they want to keep and then leave you to remove everything else? They don't want to look through it because they know that's, that's what we're keeping and the rest of it can just go. Or does it tend to be more that they want to be involved in removing everything from the house as well with you? I haven't had a client who asks me to do the whole thing yet but I think for the most part people want to be involved in the process and right now I'm working with a program that I just guide them and I don't have to be there it's just about them being with with the belongings and I also find that it's it's such a personal moment, like very intimate that people would rather have a friend than having me there yes. So the program you've developed then, you they can work remotely from you and you've basically created a guide for them to follow with your support. Have I understood that correctly? Yeah. So um, my background is in project management and sustainability. So I brought that into the picture. <laughs> Very sensible. And... What I do is I like the program starts with creating habits that will help you go through the whole thing. Then it's creating a team of people that are going to help you. I recommend that this, you know, like this team of people are professionals, usually the lawyers, um, estate management, um, an appraiser, and then family members that should be involved. 
I recommend that family members stay at the minimum number of people possible because the more people giving their opinion, it just complicates things. Yeah, absolutely. So they build the people, their like their team. Um, I also guide them through negotiations. Um, I I always recommend to establish rules of how they want to uh, go through the whole process. And I am very strong opinionated that everybody should agree with the rules. If you follow through the rules, whatever they are, by the end of the process, you are going to avoid conflict. Yeah. So that's like my number one thing. You have to establish rules and keep those rules and everybody should agree with the rules. Because this is the sad thing that you hear come out so often after someone has passed away, that the family end up fighting and falling out because so-and-so wants this or they don't agree with how it's being dealt with. So I think that's really, really sensible to have a set of rules agreed between everyone before the process even starts. Yeah, and I found that really works especially if everybody agrees with those rules, whatever it is, um, it's going to be all right because you already agreed with those rules. So do you suggest rules for them or is it entirely up to the family to decide for themselves what the rules are? I do suggest some rules. Um, I suggest rules on how things should be picked, uh, like who should pick first. Some families do it starting with the eldest and ending up with the youngest. That is our case. And I'm okay with that, even though I'm the youngest. But, but that usually works or making um kind of a raffle or something in which you just speak. And then you keep moving the rotation so everybody gets to choose first at certain times. That usually works. Um. And other rules is like how things are going, like what's going to happen with the profits of whatever you get. I usually recommend to give a value to everything that you're going to keep, Mm -hmm. even though if it's like a little trinkets or anything, I recommend giving it a value because there are times that you, you don't realize how much you take and there are family members that take a lot with them. And yes, you're taking a lot, but uh, those are items are are inexpensive. While you took a huge item and like a silverware, yeah, like that is very expensive. And I took like just uh, wooden ornaments, so that is not comparable. Yeah, and that's why I recommend having a price tag to everything. One of the things that we did in my family, it was for everything that was not in the um, appraisal, we would go into eBay, look how much it was priced there, and we would reduce 75% of the price and that would be the price for us. Okay. You end up taking about the same amount of money, but it at, at least you know it is fair. Yeah. Do you have occasions where families just are not interested in the financial side of it at all? They perhaps just want one thing and then that there is just no arguing at all? Or do you think it's more the case that that people do want to feel that they've got their share, their fair share of, of what's to be divided? I've had families that one or several of the people, they don't want anything. They just feel comfortable with what they have. Yeah. What they share with their loved one. So 
in those cases, like the rule is like, you're not going to complain about what anybody else takes. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. That's a good way to go forward. I'm wondering how much it's made you realize by doing this work that when people pass away, that they are leaving very often an awful lot of work and stress for the family members that they leave behind because their paperwork was not in order or they've got just huge amounts of stuff in the house that they've been collecting together over over many, many years. Has it made you sort of realise that perhaps people should be thinking a bit further ahead about as they come towards their end of life that they perhaps should be thinking about getting things in order or do you think actually the process of going through things is in a way cathartic for a family? Actually, I'm launching a program and you're going to know about it soon. Okay. <laughs> helping, helping families downsize. So a lot of families right now in the US, like baby boomers, are retiring and they don't want to deal with a huge home. Yeah. So they're in the process of downsizing. And I think when you downsize, it's the perfect moment to actually keep what you really want to keep and let go of the rest. So, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you. I I believe we all accumulate a bunch of stuff that eventually nobody will value because we're the only ones who give value to those things. I know my parents are super organized people. They've never had a huge amount of stuff. What they have is lovely, but it's just not, there's not, it's not rammed to the the gunnels with tons of stuff. But I've noticed as they're getting older and my father last year, he decided to go through all his paperwork and get rid of anything that was no longer relevant so that should the time come that he's no longer around, we haven't got to deal with it all. And I was so grateful that he has made that decision because that's one thing that I'm sure families, I mean, I've not had this to deal with yet and hopefully it'll be a long time before I do have to, but for families then to have to wade through piles of paperwork that they actually don't understand and even know what it's related to is hard. It is hard. And one of the things that I found is that sometimes paper... A lot of people keep a paper because for whatever reason, like they keep birth certificate from family members that leave a hundred years ago. And not ever like some families value those things, but others they don't. Yeah. So, um if if you value those things, and there's like very interesting things like you can find in, in especially in documents of newspapers where someone like in your family appeared or whatever it is, please tend to keep those as like sentimental items. And I think it would be good if if you would prepare for that and find someone who's going to give the value to those documents that you would wish someone to have. Yeah. Because not everybody values those things. I personally don't care. Yeah. So... But I'm pretty sure someone else, like my sister, I know she's all about researching about our ancestors. And so for her, it is important. And I find that as well in other families that that things that probably meant a lot for the person, they don't they don't have any other value for anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. My father 
and my brother and and I had a phase um about 20 years ago where I got really into our family history and I was actually going to places and getting birth certificates from 100 years ago printed out because I didn't have the copy of it um <laughs> so I think there's always within a family there's probably always someone that finds that interesting so my uncle is very into that. So when when my grandmother passed, I know my uncle received all of the sort of family history stuff. But my grandmother, bless her, had been great about putting it all together, making sure all the photos were in an album with names written underneath. So you actually knew who was in the photo, because otherwise you look at these piles of photos that are sort of black and white from 19... 19- God knows what. And you don't know who they are. And you've got no way of finding out who they are because the only person who knows has died. So she'd really prepared things very well for for when she was no longer there and was able to sort of it was all able to just be passed on to someone that actually wanted it and cared about it, which was lovely. That's that's a really good idea about having your albums like written down who is who. Yeah. So then you can just go and maybe a diary or or something else and you you know. Or even if you don't, you've heard the stories. Yeah. My brother's madly looking into our family history at the moment. So he's brought it all up again, which is quite fun. We're we're quite into that in our family. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Whereas my my husband's like, uh they're dead. <laughs> it's not interesting. <laughs> So we're very different in that respect. Okay, so I'm absolutely fascinated by the work you do. I've been really looking forward to to talking with you about this because it's not something that I've experienced with any of my clients. So I've found it absolutely fascinating talking to you today. I'm sure what you offer is really interesting for a lot of people out there. So would you like to tell us where we can find out more about you and and where we need to go? Of course, I'll be happy to share a checklist with you. So what to do when someone passes away. So if someone passes away, don't cancel credit cards. Okay. Keep them flowing and then they'll tell you what you need to cancel before. What other services you need to cancel. That's a great tip. Okay. But I'll be happy to share with you a checklist where you can just go through that because There's not much information of what you should be doing once someone passes away. So I think that's a great beginning. And the checklist has the link to my website. So you can find me there and everybody as well. Wonderful. Thank you. And otherwise, my social media, The Tidy Coach on Instagram. Instagram is is great because the, the videos you share and stuff of you talking to camera, the tips and things you give are just fantastic. So people should definitely give that a look. The Tidy Coach on Instagram, definitely. Thank you so much. Okay, well, it's been wonderful talking with you today. I I feel so much more informed on this topic if I ever have a client approach me now, I will, I would love to say I'll send them in your direction, but I'll know how to deal with them myself now, which is great. And thank you for the checklist. I will attach that on my website to the podcast so that people can come there and download it. And then they will have a link to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was delightful talking with you today. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for making the time and thank you for making the time so early in the morning for you. I appreciate it. It's all right. Just don't make it 7 a.m. again. No, I won't. (laughs) I won't do that. Okay. (laughs) Thanks very much, Isabel. Bye for now. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.
If you've enjoyed this episode, please send the link to a friend you know would appreciate it. Subscribe and leave a review. I look forward to bringing you more organizing tips next time. But if you can't wait until then, you can go to my website or find me on Instagram at caro.thor or on Facebook at Caroline Organizer. Thanks for listening and I look forward to guiding you on your journey to find your clutter-free ever after.